Our reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great. Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be back here. I think I was last here about 10 years ago, eight years ago, maybe, and things have changed since then, and uh, it's a real treat to share with you this morning. Uh, some, some pictures are hopefully going to come up on the screen in terms of setting the scene for, for, for most of you that won't have a clue who this guy is standing in front of you. So that's where I've been for the last 20 years uh, until a month ago. So we're in a season, and I'm preaching these verses to me this morning as we look at, uh, in your hero series, we're looking at Abra- Abram. Becomes Abraham. Abraham means exalted father. His name then got changed to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So yeah, as I'm preaching this this morning, I'm preaching it to myself. It's uh, plenty of uncertainty and transition and challenge and messiness, which is what life is like, isn't it? Um, so that's where I was for 20 years. I'm 45. Last time I came here, I would have said the same thing, which was that um, you know I expected to die before the age of 30. I've lived in very extreme environments. People have tried to kill me. People I care about have been killed. It's been very intense. Praise God, still around. So that means there's more work for me to do. I'm glad to be with you today. Next one. Uh, so I live and work at the Bujumbura. That's where our home was. Um, speak a language called Kirundi. That'd be a greeting in Kirundi. Next one. And sadly, since uh, I was last here, and it, it sort of went back, particularly from 2015, into a crisis situation of, uh, of the, the president uh, wanting to stay on for an extra term and that causing masses of conflict. And, you know, back now with a wife and three children, you know, listening to gunfire and lots of heavy stuff, which I'm guessing this is going on the internet, so I wouldn't want to say too much, but, you know, very, very heavy, very depressing, lots of tears. I've wept loads in the last uh, few years, because if you care about people, that's going to happen, isn't it? got the choice of hardening our heart or engaging with the, the pain that's around us. Next one. Uh, so as you'll hear this morning, you know, my sort of logic as I share with you is how far is too far when Jesus went that far for us? And Jesus did not go that far, that far for us on the cross for us to be nice people in Oxford, did he? He went that far for all of us, uh, wherever we are, to live passionate, sacrificial lives of surrender to him. So yeah, so there's that book there. There's a 13 films, 13 chapters. You can grab that afterwards if you want to. I'd love you to get that if you're stirred up and you want to go deeper with God. And then next one, 
This is, a, if you want, a daily shot in the arm. This is Choose Life. Every day we make choices, don't we? Some are very inconsequential. What did you have on your toast for breakfast? That's not a big deal. But other choices are very important. Are we going to choose to live by faith or by fear? Are we going to be reactive or proactive? Are we going to live a life of apathy or of urgency in terms of our pursuit of Jesus? So if you want a daily shot in the arm, that's worth getting. Uh, can't be rubbish because it was voted devotional of the year. So uh, do grab that one. Next one. Um, Okay, so that's my team. So I went out as a single nutter, expected to die, didn't die, and now the Lord's given me a wife, three kids. Very grateful. I've told this story gazillions of times, but it underpins my message and my heartbeat. So uh, I'll tell you again, and there's a twist to it in terms of the story of why I call my daughter what I called her. So my daughter's named after the next one, and she started... So I held her, I held her in 1997, this girl, and I was told her story. She was thrown away down a toilet. So her mum gave birth and was obviously going through a hell of a time because she threw her away. And this, dis- this discarded fetus did not die because her neck got caught in the U-bend of the toilet. And someone was about to go to the loo there in the university hospital. They saw her, this thing, fetus, move, and they, they fished her out. They got poo on themselves in the process. They cleaned her off, fed her through a straw like a little bird, got poo on themselves in the process. Yeah, and so it was messy and filthy, but she was set free. She was delivered, and next one, that's her 18 years later, and next one, she ends up being our, our babysitter. Who could have believed as I held her as this precious little girl that she'd end up being our babysitter? <coughs> now, the reason I tell that story is that my friend who rescued her, who adopted her, gave her the most beautiful girl's name. And I always said to Lizzie, you know, if God blesses us with a daughter, I want to name her after this girl. And so those girls share the same name. And, and yeah, all right, that's next one. That's, that's two, two months ago. She graduates with, with distinction from on scholarship in America, a prestigious university, which is, which is extraordinary, isn't it? From the pit of a toilet to that. And uh, God is truly the God of the impossible. But my friend who rescued her gave her the name Grace. And I love that name. So my little Grace was named after Big Grace. And I chose that name because, you know, that is my story. I hope it's your story. It doesn't matter whether we're multi-murdering, rapist, pillaging idiots in Central Africa or very self-absorbed people here in Oxford. We all need God's grace, don't we? And he reaches down and he picks you and me up. And on the cross, he takes our, poor, our filth on himself. And, you know, religion, some of us here, we might not quite get this yet this morning. You know, religion, going to church, box ticking, that's not what it's about. That is trying to earn your way to God. But you cannot earn your way to God. God has to come down. That's our only chance. And that is what Jesus did, the incarnation. He came down to pick us up, to clean us off, to take our filth on him so that we can be free and redeemed and brought back into relationship with him and declared beautiful and righteous and acceptable. And that is the best news in the world. And if you didn't know yet, that yet this morning, you can know it and receive that. It's, it's stunning. And that's what took me to Burundi. And that's what, that's what should positively motivate us in our journeys with Jesus. Um, I think I'm going to skip them because of time. But uh, maybe uh, next one, there might just be... Okay, just in terms of a, a visual of malnutrition. We're the hungriest country in the world. We've got the highest rate of malnutrition, 56% malnourished. That blonde-haired, beautiful girl there, she's four years old. Hello. She's four years old. She's my Canadian friend's daughter. The girl in the middle, thanks, whose whose hand she's holding, she is also four. And that's just sick and wrong, isn't it? And she's probably dead now. And if she's not dead, she's malnourished uh, and, uh, you know, brain stunted in terms of development. And that's just wrong. And I think God, you know, wants us to get angry sometimes. Anger can be a sin, but it can be the heartbeat of God, can't it? In terms of Jesus got angry when he saw the misuse of his father's house. And there's stuff that he wants us, the body, to get angry about in terms of engaging with. 
So for me, that's been Burundi and the unrighteousness there and the, the, the evil and the injustice and engaging with that. And it has been costly, but it's been beautiful. Next one. Skip that. That's the guy who's taken on from me. Keep going. So I just want to tell this story because this is happening right now. So for the last 12 years, we have sent out thousands of evangelists into the bush to go and do what we read about in the Acts of the Apostles. Do you remember Jesus taught the disciples, said that you'll receive the Holy Spirit, you'll go and do what I've, taught, what I've shown you, what I've modeled to you. And so right now, as of yesterday, we have sent out, for two weeks, we've sent out 649 evangelists into the bush, and they will cast out demons and heal the sick and get beaten up and get put in prison, everything you read about in the Acts of the Apostles. We've probably seen 100,000 people come to Jesus in the last 12 years through doing that. It's wild. And any, any, any sort of uh, miracle you read about in the Acts of the Apostles, I could substitute Bukirasazi or Kayanza or Ngozi or Kirundo. It's beautiful. And some of us, we think that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Well, that's, a, that's an argument from our lack of experience of it, isn't it? Uh, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's still doing that stuff. And so those guys, well, you know, one incident, this lady went, you know, go away. We're not interested in your Jesus. And so my team was like, all right, easy tiger. And they were retreating. And then... Uh, she said, no, come back. I tell you what, I will let you talk to my village, but first of all, heal this demon-possessed girl. So what essentially she was t- saying was, don't just talk a good game, show us the power. So they gathered around this girl, and the whole village came to watch, spectator sport, and they prayed over her in Jesus' name. <laughs> all these different voices, demons, were identified in Jesus' name and cast out. And, and that lady, who a few minutes earlier was telling them where to go, now falls to her knees with 20 other people in that village and gives their life to Christ. Well, I think you would, wouldn't you, if you saw that higher power. Last one, maybe. Keep going. All right. And that, that is a witch doctor burning his charms publicly, submitting to the higher power. And, and what happened was that he was a powerful witch doctor. And, you know, in that culture, you do not mess with a witch doctor. If you do, bzz, he'll curse you and you're a two-year-old or die or whatever. And so he controls that culture through fear. So our guys showed up wanting to challenge that power. And he invited them in, not knowing who they represented, started doing his juju stuff. One of them spoke the name of Jesus. He fell down under the power of God. And he came to a few moments later and said, could you come back in a couple of days? And a few days later, they returned. There he is, burning his chance publicly, submitting to the higher power. At the preaching of the gospel, him, 50 people in that village gave their lives to Jesus. It's beautiful. It's happening, and it's happening right now. Now, I would love you to pray. You've got your own mission partners, and I'm not after your money. I'm not on a recruiting drive to Burundi this morning, but I'd love you to pray. So there's a, there's a piece of paper in each row. And if you want, you don't have to sign up. Can you grab that? It's under your chair there. Um, and it will go around. If you want to hear these stories about six times a year, that's the benefit I get. My, my guy said, please get people to pray. And then we see the power of God, and hopefully it, it raises your faith bar in terms of believing what God can do. Okay, that's the end of the intro. Now you're where I'm coming from. So those sheets coming around, don't fill up if you're too busy, got too much email. If you do, wonderful. And we'll get more prayers. If you've got your Bibles, let's be looking at uh, Genesis chapter 12. And this is the call of Abram. And uh, I've entitled this talk, The Adventure of Calling. And I've chosen adventure because... Because adventure implies what? It implies variety, challenge, risk, adversity, smooth, rocky, ups, downs, highs, lows. And, and Abram lived that, and that is what our life will look like if we pursue Jesus and seek to be authentic in our following. You know, there's a great line in Braveheart, all men die, few men truly live. One man was asked his experience of church, he said, dutiful but disconnected from my heart. And yet, Irenaeus, years ago, he said, the glory of God is people fully alive. And so the invitation this morning is to become fully alive. And there's some principles, there's four principles that I'm going to take from the call of Abraham that applies to every single person here this morning. 
So no one should think that he hasn't been spoken to, she hasn't been spoken to. All these principles apply to everyone here. We can, we can reject it, we can choose to not live it, but uh, this is what is on offer. And I'm going to say to you, if you want life to the full, which is what Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and life in abundance, life to the full. If you want that, then you need to come, C-O-M-E, four things. First of all, see, like Abram, you need to claim God's promises. So verses 1 to 3, look down there. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And then there comes a sevenfold promise. I'll make you into a great nation and I'll, ble- I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, whoever curses you, I curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What a stunning promise. A mind-blowing promise. And Abram claimed that promise. On to chapter 15, God takes Abram out and says, look at the stars in the sky, so shall your offspring be. And it was ridiculous because he was a wrinkly old duffer by this stage, and his wife's old and past the age of childbearing. And so, humanly speaking, this was impossible, but God is the God of the impossible. And he claimed God's promises. And I want to encourage us this morning, not in a sick and twisted name it and claim it abusive way, but to stand on the promises of God. Now, I've, I've manipulated scripture for my own end, so let me give you an example of that, and this is not what I'm saying to do, but I remember before I got married to, to Lizzie, you know, I, I fell in love with this girl, and I'm a sportsman, went to Loughborough University, and, you know, good tennis player, and she was British University's tennis player, and I, I thought, uh, this is marriage made in heaven, and, uh, and now I'm very into scripture memorization. I had memorized Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, you know, I put in a bit of spade work in, the, in, in terms of uh, trying to lay the foundation for approaching Ruth and, and clinching the deal. Uh, and uh, and I, the big day came. I was like, I'm going to see if she, you know, I'm going to ask her out. And, and uh, I came alongside and said, you know, hey, uh, babes, um, you know, I, 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 you love Jesus. I love Jesus. And uh, we got on well. And uh, the scripture says, delight yourself in the Lord. Well, I'm delighting myself in the Lord. And, uh, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, my desire... Is you, baby. It did not work. <laughs> Total crash and burn. Now, that was a manipulating of the scriptures to justify what I wanted. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is you can claim, as you, as you are adventuring with God and you're doubting his faithfulness, you can claim 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. And as you go through financial insecurity... The prize of being you're not on purpose making bad decisions. You can claim Philippians 4 verse 19. And my God will meet all your wants. No, not once. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. And Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord, not with a bit of your heart, with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And everyone else might be letting us down, and we might just, just feel completely alone. Well, God says, Hebrews 13, verse 5, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so we can claim those promises and stand on them. No weapon that's formed against me will prevail, Isaiah comes out with. I mean, they're just coming to me right now. You know, we can claim all these promises. Now, so that I'm practicing what I preach and preaching what I practice, let me share with you part of my journey. Why Burundi, Simon? Why in Burundi? Well, because, funny enough, Paul White this morning, it's the first time we've seen each other, it was since 20 years ago, we were on the same course, uh, Cornhill in London, and it was the second last day of that course, and I was shouting at God, because my prayer that took me to Burundi was, God, I will do anything, I will go anywhere. 
That's the prayer he wants you to pray this morning. It's just a prayer of surrender. Saying, Lord, I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. And I I said, I don't want security because security is a mixed blessing because when we're secure in and of ourselves, we don't need God. Amen? (laughs) That was the lamest amen. Maybe it was a lame amen because, let's call it out for what it is, we love security. We're all about security, aren't we? In our house, in our pension, whatever. And do you know what? There's nothing wrong with a house and pension, but there is if that is your security. Then it's an idol. Our security is meant to be in God, our relationship with God. He's got big hands. He's worthy of our trust. Now, some of you need to hear that. And so that was my prayer. Lord, anything, anywhere, single, available, you can do anything with me. Ruth doesn't want me, so, you know, totally single. And, uh, and, uh, and on that last day, on God's timing, not my timing, I received a scribbled piece of paper with a name and number, and this guy's trying to track you down. So I rang him. We met up in Bishopsgate in the city, never met this guy before, and he says this. My name's Rob. I've been praying. I believe God sent me to you. And he wants you to Burundi, be involved in youth, for mission, and evangelism. So my heart's thumping in my chest, thinking, you know, God, is this what you've kept me for? So I said to him, all right, thanks, weirdo. I'll think about it. I'll be spiritual. I'll pray about it. And I went back to my job. They kept it open for me. And I said, all right, Lord, you know, if that was you and he wasn't some nut job, well, give me a radical sign right now in front of the computer. I will fast. I will pray. Give me a radical sign to justify a radical change of career. I might get killed. People have tried to kill me. It means leave everything, family, friends, security, money, career, everything. So right now in front of the computer, if you want me to go, give me a radical sign. And the phone rang. And in a marketing job that had nothing to do with Africa, I picked up the phone and the voice on the other end out of the blue said, do you know anyone who wants to work in Burundi? Now what do you do with that? Well, either I'm lying to you this morning, but you wouldn't give 20 years, you wouldn't risk your family for a lie, would you? Well, that was a coincidence, which it could be, but I think most of us would agree that wasn't a coincidence. That was a God incident. That God, in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, there's a beautiful verse. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's the deal. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. They range throughout Oxford. They range throughout St. Andrews this morning. And it doesn't have to be John and Sarah and Pete and Samantha. It could be all of us here this morning. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, and he longs, that's his heart, to strengthen those whose hearts are half-hearted. No, fully committed to him. That's the potential this morning. You need to claim God's promises. And, and you know what? That, that was my call. That's no one else's call here this morning. But I want to encourage us to pray a prayer of surrender. And in that place, when he does speak, put a marker in the ground. So verse 7, it says, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, why would he have built that altar? He built an altar because he needed that, that reminder of God's faithfulness, the reminder that God had spoken, because actually, you do not live life on the mountaintop. So I got that beautiful answer to prayer, fantastic, but that's not, that's not my daily spiritual experience. No, you've got to come back down and engage in the messiness of life. And as Abram bought, built that place there, it was like, okay, I'm gonna, when I come back this way in, on, on a nomadic life, I might be doubting. It's going to be tough, but poof, there's a marker in the ground. The Lord has spoken. Now, Oxford real estate is quite expensive, so probably maybe we can't build a literal altar to the Lord in our back gardens, but maybe it's, it, maybe it's, it's, it's journaling, maybe it's commemorating times, events when the Lord has clearly spoken in our lives. Somehow we need to build altars to the Lord so that when things get tough, we hang on in there. Abram gets this extraordinary promise, and he doesn't just claim it, that's a C, next one, O, he obeys. Verse 4, so Abram obeyed as the Lord had 
he left as the Lord had told him. It's no song and dance. It was actually a massive deal. It says at the end of chapter 11, he was settled in Haran. And his obedience meant leaving everything, upping sticks, leaving his comfort zone, and obeying. And obeying is not very attractive for any of us at the best of times. Why? Because obeying means submitting to someone else's rights to our lives. But uh, in the scriptures, there's a very direct correlation between love and obedience. Jesus, three times in John chapter 14, says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he or she is the one who loves me. 1 John 5, 3, this is love to obey his commands. Philippians 2, Jesus is our model. He learned obedience, even to death and death on the cross. Now, will we obey? What is the Lord calling us to obey this morning? Listen to this quote by theologian Tozer. He said, every time you hear God's word, God's truth, you will either go in the direction you're called to go or you'll just wait. And if you wait, the next time you hear that word, that truth, it will not move you quite as much. The next time it will move you less. And the time will come when that truth will not move you at all. Now, I wonder if you can relate to that. I can relate to that very clearly. I don't want to you know, spill all the beans of, of my sort of failures in, in, in love life. But, you know, I think of being, again, being back at university and, and, and falling in love with a girl and just hardening my heart. And I didn't want to know what God had to say about the relationship. And I, you know, ended up doing all the sorts of stuff that I totally regret in terms of, you know, what God's plan for marriage is and stuff like that. And it caused damage and regret and pain. And it was a conscious hardening of my heart. Say, I'm not going to obey you in that area of my life. Well, that's some of us here this morning. Is there a relationship that needs addressing? What does obedience look like for you this morning? Are we just going to get taken out through, through procrastinating and putting things off or conscious disobedience? No, God, you are not coming in. I've got my compartmentalized faith. You can have my Sunday mornings, but not my Friday nights, not my viewing habits, not uh, how I spend my money. Are we going to tone down the message? Are we, are we, are we, is there a situation coming up where we know we're going to compromise our ethics in the workplace? Is there a relationship where we need to offer forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and we just say, no, I don't want to go there. Time pre- precludes going a massive application, but think, what does the Lord want you to obey? Because we can't just claim the great, great promise. Back to me, you know, in terms of my story, to illustrate, practice what you preach, preach what you practice, I had to obey. So, you know, I had this great call, but I had to act on it. And so I lost the plot in the office after that crazy phone call. I, I said goodbye to colleagues. I had the farewell party. I packed my bags. And then just before leaving, that bloke who'd recruited me as an evangelist preacher type, he, he rang up. You know, I forget, it was a day, a day before getting on the plane. He said, Simon, I'm really sorry. We misunderstood what the, the brethren were asking for in Burundi. They, didn't, they don't want an evangelist preacher type. They want, it, they want a secretary for the bishop. I was like, what? You know, this is not my, this is not my passion, skill set, gifting. What are you doing, Lord? But it was too late. I'd had the farewell party. I had to go. Thank God, what's going to happen? And so I went out to Rwanda first, or Random Burundi, used to be called Randarundi until 1962, and my aunt and my hardcore old granny, aged 83, were still preaching Jesus in the north of Rwanda. And because it used to be one country, it's a similar language, so granny was going to teach me the language. And for four months, I sat at her feet listening to her wisdom and and, uh, learning the language, and during those four months, this is 1998, this is the first time I ever got an email. Uh, I set up a, a hotmail address in Kigali, the capital. And in the north of Rwanda, for four months, I'm praying, Lord, have mercy. I do not want to be secretary for the bishop. Lord, please, let me, let, me be a, let me work with Scripture Union. I came to know Jesus. I experienced that grace through Scripture Union's work. And that's interdenominational. You know, my vision was the, the youth nationwide. So that, those prayers, I'm praying them from, from Rwanda. Meantime, 50 mates on email. 
praying that from England. I'm saying, please pray that the Lord's going to do that. Meantime, down in Bujumbura, in Burundi, the next country down, they're they, they hearing this Mzungu, this white guy's coming, and they're saying, Lord, send him to us at Scripture Union. So you've got those prayers going on for several months. Now follow this. Listen to this. On the second last night in Rwanda, Granny prayed me off. She said, God, we've had enough of Simon. I surrendered to you. You do whatever you want to do with him. So I said, see you, Granny. See you, Auntie. I came down to the capital, Kigali. I went to one guest house for 10 minutes to meet and greet my boss, Rob, who'd flown down from London in that guest house. Just 10 minutes. Just at the very same time, the head of Scripture in Burundi stopped off on a four-day drive to three countries further away. And we looked at each other, do, 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 because it was three men from three different countries in transit to two different countries, praying the same agenda, meeting in one guest house in the capacity for 10 minutes. Coincidence? No! The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And whether it's four months previously in that business executive development position, with a phone call, or whether it's now this crazy meetings, bring, you know, tying things together, it's like God is saying, come on. And it, somehow he's, he can, you know, on 8 billion, he can, he can look at all of us and say, who's up for it? Simon Gilbert, he's got his issues. He's a fickle duffer, but I'm going to use him to change the world. And we have rocked Burundi, I tell you. Some stuff like we can't talk about, so delicate in terms of behind the scenes stuff that we've been able to, we've been used by God for. But I know that, you know, today people are going to be coming to know Jesus. It's, it's, it's beautiful by the bucket load. Claim God's promise, obey God's commands. So I had to walk in obedience. Abram walked in obedience. And that obedience is, is a long obedience in the same direction, isn't it? So next, I'm maintain faith in God's leading. Abram. I, if you follow Jesus any length of time, we've got to hang on in there and maintain faith in God's leading. So he gets this extraordinary promise, wrinkly old duffer, you're going to procreate, you know, as many of the stars are, so shall your offspring be. How can it happen? But he claimed that promise, he obeyed, he moved, he left his comfort zone, and then, well, he had to go off there and rescue nephew Lot. You know, there's lots of uncertainty and, and, uh, and issues in terms of them clashing over not, not enough land and too many flocks. And then, and then Genesis 22, he's called to lay down the child of the promise. Oh. You know, it's, sometimes it's just hanging on in there. A bunch of you this morning, you are hanging on in there. Bless you in that. Keep going. Don't let go. Maintain faith in God's leading. You know, I've shared with you some crazy stories about God's answers to prayer in my life, but that's not my daily experience. You know, let me give you an exa- another example of, of, of just needing to develop trust. So, you know, after our last child, um, we were sensing the, the call to just to move to America for, for a short season to sort of launch our charity and, and raise a whole load more money. And, you know, we prayed that through. We thought we were doing the right thing. Anyway, after he was born, it went horribly wrong. And we were stuck in England for 11 months, you know, living on the floor with a newborn baby, seven of us in a two-bedroom flat with my delightful in-laws, but even if they're delightful, you don't want to live with them, you know, for, for, seven, for 11 months in a small flat in the winter with this newborn baby. And I, and I was like, God, what's going on? What's going on, Lord? You know, did we hear you wrong? I don't see the road ahead of me. You know, what's it look like? Anyway, I just went back to the scriptures. Thought, you know, I'm just trying to do your will, Lord. And I, you know, Proverbs 16 and uh, verse 3. What... Many of the plans of a man's heart is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. In his heart, a man plans his course. The Lord determines his steps. I just went back to the scriptures and learned those promises. And then it's like, whatever, Lord, 
we're just trying to do your will. It was actually the best year of our marriage because we weren't sort of not literally dodging bullets and stuff, but it was a whole lot less stressful in Southampton than it is in Burundi. It's like, Lord, I'm just trying to do your will. And if you're not going to open the door, well, all right. Anyway, I often went back, even with tears, before I had got to that place of acceptance that I wasn't God. (laughs) That's a big lesson, isn't it? That things don't happen on my terms, on my schedule, when I'm dictating it. That was what the Lord wanted to teach me. And so often I went back to this, this, this prayer by Thomas Merton. It's a beautiful prayer. Why don't you shut your eyes and listen to it? It's such a gorgeous prayer. He prayed this. My Lord, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. And I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will does not mean I am actually doing so. But... I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. Ah, Open your eyes again. That is beautiful. You know, because that's, in the messiness of faith, that's probably your story. A number of you this morning, Lord, I don't see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor, this is honest, do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following your will doesn't mean I'm actually doing so, but, glorious but, but I believe that the desire to please you does, in fact, please you. Brother, sister, this morning, in the messiness of your life, we so want to have it all together. We want all our ducks in a row, but then we won't experience crazy stuff because we're in control. We have a faith, but we're not living by faith. So I endorse the messiness of your life and say, you know, just hang on in there. And if you're trying to please him, he is pleased. You know, so often religion, I know it's not, not our heart here, but religion can be used as a tool of guilt, manipulation, and condemnation. And that's not God's heart, is it? If you're trying to please him, he's pleased. And that's not saying that we haven't made mistakes and that he's endorsing every lifestyle choice that we're, we're embracing. But if you're trying to please him, in, a, in my weak, fickle way, he is pleased. And that's very empowering. And that's very liberating. And so claim God's promises. Obey God's commands. Maintain faith in God's leading. And lastly, E, embrace risks for God's glory. Embrace risks for God's glory. You know, this is very challenging because hands up here who's a natural risk taker. Okay, a few of us. If you're going slowly, you're probably not one. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> But, but the point is, it's probably 3 to 5% who are natural risk takers. And that could like, make us 95% feel really condemned. That's not the point of saying that. It's just calling it out to acknowledge that this is challenging, and it's not necessarily how we're naturally wired, but a cursory glance at the Scriptures re- reveals to us that God's men and women of faith, they all took risks. And often, which is encouraging, they were like us, they didn't want to take risks. And they were sort of pushed out the nest and forced and cajoled. And the Lord said, just do this. And Abram is an example of that. But he did obey and he left the comfort of, of Shechem or Haran, was it at the end of chapter Haran? And he moved, he left his comfort zone and he embraced risks for God's glory. And, but he didn't do it alone. He did it with his, his oikos, his extended household. He, they moved together. And we do this together. You do this as family as life group, as church, as St. Andrew's Church, as Church Capital C in Oxford, as the body of Christ, we do this together, not as lone rangers. I'm very much part of a team. I'm accountable out there. We do stuff together because as a lone ranger, I, we will get taken out. 
And again, practice what you preach, Simon. So I'll just give you, uh, I mean, lots of examples. But, uh, you know, I remember the Lord speaking to me, nudging me, saying, uh, as I, normally I'm preaching at, on Sunday at different churches around Brittany, but I do have our own fellowship. And I wasn't preaching this Sunday. I was driving to church, and I saw all these people, these mainly, mainly young men, on the beach Sunday morning having a kick around. Like, maybe a couple of thousand on the beach. Landlocked country, but uh, Lake Tanganyika, it's sand. It's, it's just a regular beach. And the Lord was prompting me, says, Simon, get out on the beach. Start an outreach on the beach. And I'm like, God, I'm doing loads of stuff. Give me a break, please. Um, and he's like, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. Get out on the beach. And I was like, oh. Anyway, I, I, I kind of hardened my heart. After about seven months of nagging, eventually, I said, like, all right, Lord, I'll get out on the beach. I started this outreach on the beach. And it was a bit of a pain to get up at 5.30 in the morning, Sunday morning. I mean, our, our day does start earlier there. But 5.30, and I'd jog to the beach, seven kilometers, and then, and then we'd, do, we'd do a sweaty outreach. I'd be the first person always to get there, and I'd be scared stiff. And I tell you that because you might think that, Dan, we, you know, Simon, whatever, it's all right for you guys, but, but uh, you know, I get really scared to tell people about Jesus. Well, we, we all do. It, it's, not, it's not easy. But the whole point was I didn't do it by myself. The team came, and we did it together. And do you know what? Every single Sunday morning, amidst sweaty bodies and balls being kicked over us and doing a quick workout and drawing a crowd and sharing our hope in Jesus, sharing about grace. Every, every Sunday, we pray for people to receive Jesus. And a few hours later, I'd get, and I'd be sat like you are now this morning. I'd be sat there and be like, you know, this is okay. This is all right. But I've already seen Jesus. You know, I've already seen lives transformed. It was amazing. And I'd even got the bonus of, as I jogged home, back to my house in Kinindo, I, jog- I went past the marijuana den of Bujumbura, and I got to sit down and have these incredible conversations with these totally lost, hopeless people. And I got the bonus of a guilt-free passive smoking high. <laughs> All right, that's a joke, you know. <laughs> okay, so hear what I'm saying. It's not an endorsement of marijuana. But I'm saying get alongside people. Get outside the church walls. Leave our comfort zones. Embrace risk for God's glory. That's what he wants us to do. And that's challenging, isn't it? Back to the putting your hands in the air thing, and I'm coming to a close. Um, There was a a guy called Gordon McKenzie. He was doing research um, in primary schools on uh, kids. And his question, he had one question, and his question was, hands up, who's an artist? Which is just hands up if you believe you've got what it takes, isn't it? And so he would go to the five and six-year-olds, hands up who's an artist. <laughs> Every hand in the class, <laughs> yeah, I'm an artist. And then as he moved up, eight-year-olds, 20 hands out of 30. Nine-year-olds, 10 hands. By the time he got to 11-year-olds, hands up who's an artist. And so two or three hands reluctantly went up, a bit embarrassed to admit it. And, uh, you know, the conclusion of his research was essentially this. Everything in our culture is sucking us into a mold of rigid conformity. And conformity is not maturity. And we were all, I know I was, five, six-year-old Simon. Have you got what it takes? Do you believe you've got what it takes? Hands up if you're an artist. (laughs) I'm a chuffing genius. You know, I thought I was, you know, the, the proviso, I guess, being we had a loving environment that we're being nurtured in, which is not a given for everyone here. I appreciate that, but thank you, Lord, I had that. And so in God's plan to be brought up in families that, that, that love and, and release and encourage each other, you know, that's what we were. We were those five, six, seven-year-olds, and yeah, yeah, and then slowly, we just got crushed. 
and we toned down our dreams and we settled for a domesticated Jesus. And the Lion of Judah became toothless. And we've toned down our expectations and we are now maybe getting much more excited about a new carpet fitting than we should be. Because we're not going to take that with us. It's not going to last. And Jesus this morning is saying, I want you. And I want you to make fresh decisions. And I want you to model it to the next generation. Because if there's any chance for them to find it attractive, we are the torchbearers. And so please get more excited about telling your neighbors about Jesus than about that new carpet fitting or whatever it is. But you know, my, my, you know, the artistic gene in my family is very lacking. I'll, I'll say that up front. You know, I give my little kid a, a piece of paper. Just so I draw us a picture. And you, you know, earnestly, grab that piece of paper with a crayon. And he'll go... <laughs> and he'll butcher this piece of paper. And uh, I'm like... Um, but you know what? Actually, no. What do we do, parents? We hang it up, don't we, in pride of place? Because it's my son. It's my daughter. It's beautiful. And, and this morning, you know, you might think of your life. God's given you that piece of paper. And, and maybe you sense you've made a royal hash of it. You know, you did not stick to the lines. You got the color scheme wrong. Well, listen, two things. First thing is, if it's the best you've got, he's pleased. Second thing is, if you have royally screwed up, and there are consequences involved. Yes, it's true. Life is messy. And there's damage, and there's reparations. But you know what? He can give you a fresh piece of paper. And he says, let's do this together. Let's, do this. let's journey together. And he redeems. And he washes us clean. And he gives us a fresh start. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning, I invite you to embrace the adventure of calling. And along with Abram, that involves claiming God's promises, obeying God's commands, maintaining faith in God's leading, and lastly, together, not as lone rangers, embracing risks for God's glory. And Oswald Chambers said this, he says, if you will abandon everything, and come to Jesus when he says, come, then you will go out into the world reproducing the echo of Christ's come. Well, have you come? Do you want to come now? So much potential here this morning. Why don't you stand? And uh, I'm going to pray. I've gone over. I'm sorry about that. Quick stand. And uh, there's, there's, chance, there's chance afterwards to be prayed for if the Lord has spoken to you. I'm quite sure uh, if we've got ears to hear that, that that's a challenge many of us need to hear. Some of you, you just need to hear that he's pleased. If you've had loads of sucker blows, just, just know that God loves you to bits. Others of us, we know that we are settling and uh, comfortable, and we need that challenge, and, and stuff needs to change in our lives. So I invite you to shut your eyes and, and to pray this with me. And again, afterwards, come up. If you want to nail stuff with someone, you can pray at the front afterwards at the close of the service. There'll be pe- people there for that. So if you want to pray this prayer with me, just, uh, just echo it in your heart. Father God, 
I don't want to settle for the safety of existing when you are calling me to the adventure of living. I don't want my highest aspiration to be to arrive safely at death. No, Lord, you have said I've, you came that we have life and life to the full. So I, I want, we want the adventure of calling. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you. There are so many great promises that stand the test of time that cover all of us. Uh, And so we are going to stand on your word. We are going to claim your promises. But beyond just claiming the promises, we are going to obey your commands. And we're going to hang on in there and maintain faith in your leading. And however uncomfortable it is, we we choose to embrace risks for your glory, to step out of our comfort zones, to to share this message in a, with, a, with a lost world that is desperately needy and confused right now. And we don't have all the answers, but Jesus, you are the biggest answer. And you, you want to journey with everyone. And so, Lord, I, I say I will do anything. I will go anywhere. I don't want to bargain with you. I want to be all in. You can have my family. You can have my job. You can have my friends. You can have my hobbies. You can have my past, present, future. You can have my anger my despair, my disillusionment, my depression, my dash dreams, my bitterness. You can have all the negative stuff, my doubts, my queries. Thank you that your shoulders are big enough to take all those. And, and you can have the good stuff looking forward. You can have my dreams, ambitions, longings, hopes. Lord, we want to be a people that are attractive and are witness to you. And we know the stakes are high. And so I'm in. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. And would, I, would you take me on this beautiful adventure in the coming days, weeks, months so that I'm not one who gets to the end of his life, her life, and sat there in a recliner with a shriveled soul and loads of stuff and think, I just missed it. I played it safe. No, Lord, that won't be me. By your grace, in Jesus' name, amen.